Well, good morning, Sunrise Community Church. My name is Greg. I am uh, happy to get to share with you guys today on uh, just a small little topic, no big deal, just the future of Sunrise Community Church. No, you can see why he punted on that one. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I'm honored to be able to share with you guys today, and I'm looking forward to just diving into God's Word, um, because any kind of future needs to be grounded in that, first and foremost. But when we talk about the future, a lot of ways we can all kind of get these ideas in our heads. For some of us, it's uh, a future full of hope. It's a future that is just, you know, you're excited. We just last week had the graduates up here, and for a lot of them, it's just exciting times as they look forward to college or a career or whatever God has for them, and, and there's a lot of excitement around that. Um, there are those of us in our congregation who are looking forward to a wedding uh, coming up, and we look forward to celebrating with them on that. We have babies on the way. We have all these great things, and so when it comes to the future, sometimes we think of those things, and we have just a, a, a great picture of hope and excitement. And, and fun. Um, but there's also the other side. Sometimes when we think about the future, it can be the exact opposite. We can start to feel the doom and gloom of just everything that's going on in our world. I mean, when we look at uh, the news for just a little bit, you'll get all kinds of messages about how terrible it is. You'll uh, see that gas prices are higher than they've ever been. Everything is higher than it's ever been. Uh, you can see that it seems like we're at the, the, the brink of another world war, uh, depending on which news agency you, you listen to. Uh, it, it just seems like everything is just like it's bad and it's only getting worse. And the, and the fire alarms are going off uh, because, you know, the, things are just terrible. And uh, the world's on fire, or usually uh, California is. Um, and so when we look at those things, we can start to feel the pressure, the weight of the future and say, man, is there any hope? In fact, I feel like I've had a conversation with uh, grandparents several times where they are like usually with my, my kids, their great grandkids, and, and they, they've looked at them and they've said, I just worry about what they have to go through. Let's worry about what they'll have to face. And that fear is real. Like, I worry about that, too, as a parent. I worry, yeah, what are my kids going to have to face? What kind of challenges are they going to have to take on that me, even I didn't have to take on? And, and the, the struggles that they're going to have uh, that I, I maybe have no clue on. And it's true. Each generation has to face that, that the new wave of troubles that come our way. What's frustrating is it can, we can feel pretty powerless around those things. We feel like, what hope do we have? I mean, one idea is that we maybe put someone in power who will make those changes. And we have people who spend millions and millions of dollars who, who tell us that, you know, if we just get them in the right office, then they're going to make the changes. And then we get them in those offices, and then they spend the rest of their time telling us why they can't make the changes that they promised us. And it can leave you feeling pretty frustrated and hopeless. What's interesting is this feeling is not a new one. I feel like each generation has had to face this exact same problem of looking towards the future and saying, how will the next generation carry on? How will they make it? What's interesting is I'm sure your great-grandparents had the same thought as you were growing up of how you were going to continue the faith, how you were going to be faithful, and they were worried about everything that was coming your way. But if you can even track back that feeling of worried about the future, of not knowing how to continue on, all the way back to the biblical times. In fact, we're going to be reading from Paul about that exact thing, 
about what the future holds and how we're going to face it and how we can uh, remain faithful to God. And so I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be in chapters 4 and 5, kind of hitting on some pieces. Obviously, we could, there's no way we could hit on every part of it because uh, we'd be here a really long time. Uh, and so we're going to start in chapter 4, and we're going to kind of chunk it out uh, as we progress towards chapter 5. And so the first uh, bit that we're going to be looking at is verses 5 through 12, is those seven verses. And so uh, this is what it says. It says, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. It says, for we preach, uh, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God. God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but also life is at work in us, or in you. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and uh, just a little quick background on the Corinthian church. It's, uh, this is a community that is uh, kind of planted in a port town. This is a town where uh, a lot of sailors, a lot of trading is going on, and, and they would kind of pull into this area and dock, and, and Corinthian was kind of known as like a party area. It's where people would go, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't really plant roots. They would go party it up, and then they would leave. It's like the Vegas of their time. And so when he's talking to this church, he's understanding that this church has seen some things. This is not the church that is like, oh, yeah, we, we've never even seen anything bad happen in our community. They've seen some things. And this church community is, this is the second letter to them because uh, they are starting to get a little distracted. As they kind of came to know who Jesus is, they, were, they got led to Jesus by Paul, and uh, Paul went away. And now these other people are coming in, and they're flashy. They're saying, hey, you can have all the riches that you want, and they're, eloqu- and they're really good at talking. And, and, and Paul is not so much. And so when Paul comes back, he's having to tell them, hey, it's not about this life. It's not about us not having any kind of suffering here and now. It's about following Jesus no matter what. And what we'd see in the beginning of this letter to them is he spends the first several chapters reminding the Corinthian church that God is glorified through the cross. That the the one that we all say that we follow, his, his glorification happened as he died on the cross. And so he said, it's interesting that you want to follow him, but his, he leads to death, and you guys are so focused on the life here and now. And so he's challenging them to, to, to think beyond this moment, think beyond what's going on. And so then we get to these, these verses, and we're going to just kind of break them up. Verses 5 and 6 says, For we preach, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in your, our hearts to give us the light 
of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God is saying, you know, there's a lot of darkness, or Paul is saying here, there's a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of darkness, and, and the God who spoke creation into existence, the God who, who started all, the one that, that uh, began this whole thing that we see everything around us, who created all the laws, who created everything, the expansion of the universe, that was God who created it. And that same God who spoke, let there be light at the very beginning of time is the one who speaks life and light into you. He says that same God, that same power now dwells within you. And so we should live differently because of that. We should shine differently because of that. And so Paul is saying, you got to let that light shine in you. You got to allow God to, to work in you. And what I love is, is, don't miss this. Paul is saying, in the darkness of life, there is light in you. It's an amazing light that comes from God himself. He's the one that shines through our brokenness, through our hurts. You know, some of us here today, we struggle because we look so much at the darkness. We struggle because we, we look at the problems of this world and the darkness around us, and we can sometimes feel overwhelmed and consumed by that. We can feel like, man, there's no hope. Everything's going bad. Everything's only going to get worse. There's, there's no help on the way. And God would remind you, Paul would remind you as well, no, God is within you. And he has ultimate power and he has all authority and he is working in you. And so you are supposed to be a part of that solution. He is working within your life to shine brightly in creation. And just as bright as the sun is, so our lives can shine for his glory. To prove to the world that he is alive and well. That Jesus is alive and well. So when we're feeling overwhelmed, God would call us to first stop staring at the darkness of our society, the problems of our world, and maybe we start looking at things a little bit differently. Maybe we can go to God's word and start to understand and see things in the light. Because as we jump into God's word, now all of a sudden it gives us a new perspective. Now when we're looking at the problems, we're seeing how God can intervene in those situations, how God can be glorified in those problems, how God can just do something there. When we look at it, when all of a sudden we're casting the light, it's like shining the light. You know, uh, most of us now, we have a phone that has a flashlight on the back, right? How often that you're we're looking around trying to do something, you're just like, all right, here, you click it on, right? It's almost like God's word does that. It's the click on of the, the light. All of a sudden you're like, I can see so much better. I have so much better perspective as I, I understand and study God's word. And now I can see so much more clearly. All of a sudden the darkness doesn't block my view. It doesn't distract me. I can understand what God's doing here. And we can trust what God's doing here. Paul continues through this, uh, verses 7 down to 12 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus 
so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul is pointing out that we are fragile creatures, that we are limited creatures, that, you know, our bodies are, are momentary, right? And as I get older, my body reminds me of that each and every morning of how fragile it is, you know, and you wake up and you're like, that doesn't work like it used to anymore. You know, that, where did that pain come from? Uh, and, and our bodies remind us of the, the momentariness of them, the, the, that they are not going to last forever. And yet God, who is eternal, works within us. That's crazy. He puts this amazing, his, his amazing power, his holiness, and Paul calls it into these jars of clay that can easily be shattered. God puts himself in us, and through our weaknesses, highlights his strength. It's not how good we are, and God kind of aids us in that. Our weaknesses show just how powerful God is, that God is able to do amazing things even though we are limited. Our limitations do not limit God. And so what I mean by that is God is going to do things in your life that is far beyond what you can do. What's amazing is as you feel the pressure in life, as you feel it starting to weigh down on you, what God's word says is you will not be crushed by that weight. When you are confused about what the future holds for you or how this thing's all going to play out, God says that he is not going to leave you alone, that his plan is the best thing for you, and he gives us hope in that. When, we're con when we are un not sure about where the future is taking us, we are not consumed by despair. When we're beat down, we we're then feel like no one cares for us. God says he cares for us and that we are not abandoned. When we're knocked down, he says that he will sustain us and that we will not be destroyed. These are the promises that we have from God. That God is working within our weaknesses and his strength is shining through us. It is not us who are doing these things. It is God doing them. You know, what's amazing is historically, Christianity has thrived the most when it's under the most amount of pressure. Historically, when, when things are the toughest, Christianity grows crazy. You see that the people are taking their faith serious. Churches are growing. And it's not easy. You can look at the, the church in China and you can see how there's so much persecution there and yet they are still exploding even though they take out missionaries and they take out these people and they take out that people. And yet God's word continues to work in that community. It's amazing. When Christians are under the most amount of pressure, you'll also see God working in the strongest way. And so when you see the news telling you that Christians are getting kicked out, no one wants to hear from them, just find hope in the fact that, oh man, God's going to do something good here. This is when he works. When the pressure's on, God shows up and does some amazing things. We've seen that through history. The 2,000 years of history proves that. In verse 10, it says that we carry around our in our bodies the death of Jesus 
so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. It means that as Christians, we understand that every part of our lives should point to the redemption work of Jesus. There's no part of you that Jesus doesn't want to be a part of. Your leisure time, your, your, your stress time, your uh, eating time, your whatever time, God wants to be a part of that. And we can give that and we can glorify God in every moment of our life. Paul continues in verses 16 and 18. He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that, is, that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So over the last uh, couple years uh, or so, uh, my boys are getting older and they're getting into sports. And so that's a really fun time to be a dad. And uh, one of the key rules for majority of the sports out there is this. Keep your eye on the ball, Right? That's just one of the foundational things. Keep your eye on the ball. As that, that pitch comes or it's on the tee or it's on the, the golf swing, wherever it is, you've got to keep your eyes focused on the ball. If you're looking somewhere else, you're never going to hit it. And it's been a process for some of my, for, uh, my boys. Uh, you know, it's, it's helping them to understand that as they look at that, they have to trust their body to hit that ball. Because there's a lot of times as they're doing it, they just want to, like, make it slow and then at the very end, clink it away, right? They're just thinking, okay, it's made contact, now I put the power in. They don't understand the full process of the swing. And, and, and what's amazing, I tell them, you got to teach your body. Your body is going to learn that as you stare at this, as you focus on this ball, as you, as you see it coming or as it's on the tee and you, 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 you start to make the swing, your body is learning. This is how we make connections. This is how we do this, Right? As we focus on it, we can do it. Well, in a lot of ways, that's what Paul is talking about here. He said, fix our eyes on the things that are eternal. Fix our eyes on the things that are going to last forever. Don't focus on all the momentary problems that are going on, but focus on what God is going to do through our lives. And as we focus on that, we live differently. All of a sudden, we can, we can have hope in hopeless situations. All of a sudden, we can see answers that we would have never seen because we're seeing that God can do some amazing things eternally. And all of a sudden, those things that you thought, why is this happening to me? You can trust God and say, you guys have an awesome plan. And so I trust you with that. Paul is saying, fix our eyes on eternal things. And that is going to cause us to live differently. You see, hopelessness of certain, the hopelessness of certain situations, all of a sudden we are able to get past those because we focus on what God's already doing. Whether that's through God's word, maybe that's through prayer, maybe that's through times of just being silent before the Lord. Our moments that we can take in our life and we can, we can humble ourselves and we can focus ourselves, focus our eyes on things that are eternal. In fact, that's actually my answer to those uh, grandparents who have kind of shared with me uh, this fear for the next generation 
of they look at things and they say, I don't know how things are going to work out. I always tell them, well, God worked through your generation. He worked through you. He sustained you. That same God who sustained you is going to sustain my kids as well. That's my hope. That's my joy. That's what allows me to sleep at night is knowing that God has been faithful to me and that same God is going to be faithful to them and he's going to be faithful to their kids and their kids. That's the generations that we sung about this morning. From generation to generation, God is the same and he sustains the exact same. That is the hope that we have for our future. It's not in anything we're going to do. It's in the things that God is doing and going to continue to do in that same way. What I love is that Paul then gives us a charge in chapter 5 of what we're supposed to do. Now that we're living differently, now that our eyes are fixed on eternal things, as we're, as we're looking towards heaven, as we're looking towards what heaven is doing and bringing it down here to earth, like Jesus prayed, as we start to look at that, he gives us instructions. In chapter 5, verses 14 through 21, this is what it says. It says, for Christ's love compels us. His love compels us. It, it forces us to move. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we uh, once regarded Christ in this way, we do, we do so no longer. Therefore, anyone... Therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the, min- the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though, as, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Verses 14 through 15 there points us back to Christ. As Christians, we do not live for ourselves. It's not about us being this great and uh, a wonderful person. It's not about our, our getting all the credit for things. We're, our goal in life is to live for Jesus and bless other people around us. Our, our goal in life should be to care for other people, to love other people, to love people within our community here and our community out there. That is our call as Christians, to care for other people, to live for Jesus self-sacrificially as Jesus did. And then Paul continues in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come, and the old has gone, the new is here. He's saying, you are not who you were. Those sins of your past, those things that you did or were done to you, all those things in your past no longer define who you are. You are a new creation, a beautiful and wonderful beacon of light pointing towards the eternal and shining Christ's love for the world. That is who you are now. 
And so we live differently because of the things he's done. And he calls us ambassadors. Ambassadors means that you, you live in this area, this foreign country, even though maybe you were born here. We, are, we live as people who are focused at, from the eternal, from the kingdom of God, and we live here, and now we share the good news of Jesus. We share about who God is. And in a way, now God calls us the, to, to live as his physical representation on earth. That you get to be like Christ to other people around you. We are, we are called to be ambassadors for eternity in a momentary world. We are called to be ambassadors for eternity in a momentary world. A world that constantly is focused on the here and now. We have to help the world see beyond itself and say, no, God is here. He is going to work something amazing in us. And the message that we share with the world is what Paul says in, in chapter 6, verse 2. The second half of it says, I tell you, now is the day, or sorry, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. The message we share is that Jesus is alive and well, that he forgives other people of their sin, and he empowers you to live differently. That is the hope that we share with everyone around us. You know, Pastor Russ and, uh, has talked about the fact that we're going to talk about the future of Sunrise, where are we going as a people. And honestly, as Jonathan pointed out, I don't know, right? Like we could make plans and say in five years we're going to do this, in 10 years we're going to do that. But honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the youth guy. What, what authority do I have to speak to that, you know? <laughs> uh, so I can tell you where maybe the youth group's going to be in a couple years, but uh, to talk to Sunrise as a whole and say, this is where we're going to be in five and ten years or whatever, uh, that, I, I don't have that authority. I don't have that foresight. And so if you've been waiting on pins and needles, I'm sorry, you can scratch that off your notes. But what I can tell you is this. What I can tell you is that God who has been working through sunrise for the last 20-something years is going to continue to work in mighty ways. And the way that we can know that is because of the testimonies that we see around us, the people around us who have been doing the work for many, many years. And we can have hope that God, who has been doing a good thing, is going to continue to do his good thing. As we look at the future, we, we can see a couple things. We can see that God is working. And so we have hope. And the question then becomes, how are we going to be a part of that? How are we going to continue to be a part of that? How are we going to continue to grow? How are we going to continue to see his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth? And that's kind of a personal question. Because one of the main things about what Sunrise is, one of the things I love about Sunrise and why I've stayed for so long, is because Sunrise has never been about a building. Sunrise has never been like, here we are, and everyone needs to come to us, and we are the church. The building is the church. The pastor is the church. That has never been the focus. It's always been the people of Sunrise are the church. And wherever the people of Sunrise is, that is where our ministry is. And so our focus should be, how are you joining in that? How are you joining into that mission of God here at Sunrise? Wherever you are, you should understand that your workplace, wherever God has you, your family, your, all those things, that is your ministry ground. 
That's why, you know, Sunrise, uh, we sometimes, not here at Sunrise, but churches sometimes get this idea that in order to, to reach the community, we need to do these big events and then go out and share, you know, the news from that one event. And that's all we do. No, those things are good. You do those events and you kind of get your name out there and you get to know some people you normally wouldn't run into. But also, alongside of that, is when the people of God are doing the things that they should be doing. They're, they're sharing, they're being ambassadors for the, uh, for the kingdom of God. They're, they're sharing their light and their love wherever God has for you. In your families, in your workplaces, in your leisure time, all those places are places for you to share the good news of God. So the question is, how are you doing that? How are you pointing people to what is eternal in all those areas? For some of you, maybe you've compartmentalized and you've said, no, well, that, that's, that's my Christian me, and then I have my work me who needs to go and do the work. And God says, no, I want all of you. I want to be a part of every part of your life. And so everything we submit to God. And what's amazing is you'll see him start to empower you to do amazing things in, in all of their aspects of your life. When you work not for a paycheck but for God, Oh, it changes your attitude for that job. It changes you, and it starts to give you eyes to minister to maybe some of your coworkers or your customers or, or just random people that you meet at because of your job. When you, uh, for students, when you study and you understand that you sitting at that desk is not by accident, and maybe you're supposed to be God's love and God's help uh, to someone who's sitting right next to you in that desk right next to you. And so maybe you ask the question, how am I going to share God's love with my peers, my fellow students. Were you to look at your family dinners a little bit different, where you can understand that those family times that you connect with your kids or relatives or cousins or whoever could be a time where you can then share God's love and push each other towards Jesus. Whatever it is, God would call us to be ambassadors for him. And so that's the challenge for our future here at Sunrise is how do we continue to empower you guys to do the work of the church? That's going to be what we've always been about, and that's what we're going to continue to be about. We're going to keep pushing you guys to, to the Bible. We're going to keep doing those things because we believe it's not about this building. It's about you people. It's about us, the people, God working in the people of the church. And that's the future. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much just for this time. God, as we look towards the future, God, we have hope not because of any schemes that we've come up with, God, but because of the fact that you have been doing something amazing from the very beginning of time up to today. You have been working. Since we messed things up back into the garden, God, you have been pointing us back to you, bringing us back to you, drawing us back to you. From Abraham to Moses to David to Jesus, to Paul, to, 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 to Calvin, to us, to it just the, 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 the story continues on. And yet you are consistent through each one of those stories. God, we praise you for your good work. And God, we, we pray that you would help us to live into that call to be your ambassadors for eternity, to be ambassadors for your kingdom of God. Thank you so much that you work through our weaknesses and you enable us to do your good work. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.